tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Pictures of the Dead, Johnny Lee Wilson, and Totally Exhausted. co-host crystal and i'm your other co-host robert this is reenacted a podcast all about watching unsolved mystery segments oftentimes in the order that they aired more often than not yes (laughs) so crystal um yes in the last couple of episodes we've done i've wanted to bring something up Uh and i i've invariably kind of forgotten about it and then last week you brought up uh, talking about food, so I really got distracted. I'm sorry. Yeah, that I did that. No, no, don't. Because like, all over, uh, all during last week, this last week at work, I especially because it's like been really hot out. Mm-hmm. I have been fantasizing about that gigantic brick of vanilla ice cream. Mm. Oh God, I really wish I had some vanilla ice cream right now. Actually, I really wish you had a food stand at a county fair called. Burr, it's ice cream. <laughs> oh, oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Like, would it be my name and just a lot of extra R's? Yeah. Oh, oh, Christo, I know you. I saw you posted this poll on our our Twitter. Yeah. About if we quit our jobs, whether we should solve a mystery or um, what was the other one? Uh, Go go find an old West treasure. Treasure. Yeah. But but maybe starting some sort of crazy ice cream business is the way to go. You know, Robbie, we're going to go off on a food tangent again. You're going to forget about the thing you wanted to talk (laughs) about. Shit, shit, shit. You're right. You're right. Right. We'll talk about that this after. We'll talk about our food truck offline. Yeah. Uh. How much do you think that gigantic brick of vanilla ice cream would cost? Well, you know, at a county fair, you can charge whatever the hell you feel like. Yeah. You have a captive audience, and people got to get their ice cream bricks. So, I don't know, $55? Cool. Cool, I like it. All right, (laughs) all right, so enough delay. Uh Uh-huh. Recently on Facebook, I know you're not on Facebook anymore. I'm not. Yes. Which is a shame, because... Is it? Well, well, not in most regards, but you are totally going to be blindsided by this. You you, huh. you could prob- probably have seen this coming. We were recently talking about your good friend Nicole before uh, we started recording. Yep, f- good friend of mine, good friend of the podcast, Nicole. Yes, and recently she shared this on Facebook. Okay. I'm looking at a little flyer here, and it uh-huh. says, Pet sitting. Kind, loving care for your pets yeah. while you're away. A team of yep. reliable and trustworthy Joe Henderson students will give mm-hmm. your pets love and attention in your home. For $6 uh-huh. per visit, we will feed, brush, and comfort your animal. Change litter boxes and water dishes. Take in mail and papers. Water your plants. 
Visits scheduled between 3.30 and 5.30 p.m. seven days a week. Make arrangements three days in advance by calling Nicole at, and then number, or Crystal at, and number. References available upon request. We pet sit the following animals. Cats, dogs, rabbits, hamsters, guinea pigs, rats, mice, Hmm. snakes, In parentheses. But not together, I hope. No. Not the mice and snakes <laughs> together. Well, I, I don't know what your intention was when you, when you wrote this. In parentheses, any catched animals, in parentheses, tigers, and any other animals. Oh, that's cute. And there's a there's an image of like a little kitty and a little dog uh, uh-huh. uh, clipboarded in. Uh-huh. So, I just wanted to read that out. I don't know. I don't know if that's supposed to be embarrassing because it actually sounds like a pretty coherent and cute flyer to put together for a couple of kids. Yeah. Well, actually, but, I was also cur- curious. Like, how old were you guys when you started this uh, business? We had to be like nine or ten years old, I think. What? You want to know how many uh, clients we got? How many clients? Zero. Zero oh. clients. But. I would also like to add, this is probably 100% Nicole's idea. And I was just like, sure, whatevs. Sounds good. Let's do this. Okay. I, I'm actually feeling a little intimidated that you put this together when you're like 10 years old. This is... I'm, sh- I'm sure we had help. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm certain some adult looked over it and proofread it. And, yeah, because, yeah, well, I mean, the sort of the part where they list the different animals that you guys mm-hmm. will take care of... There's like a lot of spaces in between some words and no spaces in between others, and uh-huh. they're kind of like off, off alignment. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's yeah, but otherwise, it looks like a really great flyer. So stylistically, not great, but uh, and well, and mostly just that one part. The rest is sort of aligned. Uh, so, man, I wish I could get a pet sitter for six dollars. <laughs> That sounds like a freaking deal. Um, yeah, well, thank you, Nicole, for sharing that. <laughs> yeah, and she's been bugging me uh, several weeks now about, like, when are you going to read that thing on the air like you said you were going to? Okay, well, I I only vaguely remember this happening, and she reminded me of it recently, too. And I was like, oh, yeah, that thing. Um well, I guess if I, you didn't actually pet sit any animals, no, I, she she might have. You okay. know, she's she's a lifelong pet foster person. Oh, okay. I don't know that I've ever done that outside of just you know having a friend. Yeah. Ask me to come feed their cats or something, but no, I haven't. Uh, haven't uh, haven't done any pet sitting, so that was not the career that I ended up in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've I've uh, I just wanted to read that out. So I, I guess if well, um, there there it is. Well, now everyone who needs to break into my bank account knows the name of my first school. So uh, Connor, can you bleep out uh, the the school name? Yeah, sounds like a lot of work, which isn't my jam. Uh, Robbie, do you want to talk about uh, season three, episode eleven of Unsolved Mysteries? This was a new one. Psychic Artist. Uh, Is this under the unexplained? Is this an unexplained segment? 
you know, I don't think I was paying attention, but it surely must be. You, though, well, it's, not, it's not a Psymed, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't think it is. I don't think so. Okay. There's, there's, there's a weird sort of bent to Psymed. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I don't, I don't know if the dividing line's necessarily that a hospital has to be involved, but I, I do feel like somehow if it starts... Like if the psychic were a nurse, would this be Psymed? Possibly. Hmm. But yes, uh, we're dealing with a woman named Coral, Cora, Coral, Coral, po- Carl, 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 Poge, Poge, Poge. Yeah. I'm, sure. I'm trying to read it uh, off my notes, um, such as they are, which is mostly just her name. Uh, she's an English woman. And mm-hmm. I don't think either of us can do an English accent, right? I could, but it'd probably be really offensive. <laughs> and if there's one thing our podcast cares about, it's not being offensive. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this woman draws pictures of dead people. Jack, I want you to draw me like one of your dead people. Uh, yeah, not dead people she's ever seen. And mm-hmm. so basically, we just sort of... Most of the segments really just... Uh, they show flash a bunch of compare and contrast images that she's done because mm-hmm. there's not really much of a, you know, they they recount this one uh, photographer named Peter Cook who came by, mm-hmm. and she drew an image of what potentially could have been his great could have been his grandmother. Um, mm-hmm. possibly he seems seems to think so. And mm-hmm. then we have an, a, a live drawing. Uh, they reenacted that, but then we have a live drawing of her drawing some image for some other person who's like, oh, that's my aunt. Yeah. Uh, and then and then it's just mostly a bunch of uh, compare and contrast images. Crystal, I just want to go ahead and throw this out here. Uh-huh. I'm going to say that basically for each gender, mm-hmm. there's basically like five... There's probably what, like five archetypes of what an old person looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you could just like draw one of those, and about one in every five people is going to see a deceased old relative. I think that's uh, exactly right. <laughs> Here's well, a- and, and and specifically too, we're t- we're talking presumably about she only works in Britain. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, narrow it down from five to maybe three. You got thin, fat, <laughs> hair up, hair down. You know. I like how you trying to do a uh, British accent would w- uh-huh. w- was construed as maybe being too offensive, but uh, uh-huh. we're, we're just going going ahead and going to go here. Which, yeah. which I mean, it's not like I'm gonna dispute this, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, it's a it's a lot of uh, pointy uh, noses and thin lips. Yeah, I mean, l- you know what I'm saying. Yeah, looking at the picture of uh, this 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 drawing of what is allegedly Peter Cook's grandmother, that uh-huh. does kind of look like about what I would expect one third of all English grandmothers yep. to look like. Yeah, 
Well, and here's the thing, too, about her drawings, and, and Unsolved Mystery sort of admits this. They're not incredibly detailed. They're probably at the level of, like, a New Yorker cartoon. Yes. You know, the, the, the one of Peter Cook's grandmother is the most detailed. The others are just, like, really basic sketches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not calling this woman a fraud because I don't want her to come after me. Or, you know, well, she's well, she's probably dead. <laughs> That's true. And even if she, if she was alive, what, what could she do? Draw a picture of my deceased yeah. grandparents? Yeah. Or people who just look like my... I don't... Yeah, she... Yeah, this is... Um, well, I think you can go ahead and call her a fraud because there's no way for her to prove what she's doing is real. So let's assume this gets taken to court. She needs to prove her side. Oh, right, right. How's she going to do that? It's going to be a real uh, Christmas on 34th Street situation, right? Yeah. So, no, I mean, oh, no, yeah. fuck this lady. Oh, you're because right, wait, you know why? you're right. She yes. did pass away. Yeah, she's a fraud. Okay. Well, yeah, well, well, fuck her dead ass because she was taking advantage. I don't, I don't have a lot of patience for, like, these psychics or mediums or whatever that, like, prey on people's emotions about their dead relatives to make a buck because you know she wasn't doing this for free they showed her and like giving a presentation in some fancy ballroom to a bunch of people presumably they all paid for a ticket and then yeah and then if you got a sketch that you chose that you kind of made yourself believe was of a, a dead relative yeah you um you probably paid more for that in, in addition i guess maybe yeah i don't know but fuck this lady. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and you know, this whole thing is like, oh, is she like, she's like, I don't know how it comes to me. It's like, well, it's called having an imagination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, you know, I, I have to imagine that being a, like, this is probably maybe as long as you're artistically talented, a little easier mm-hmm. than being a normal cold reader, because you can just like, Oh, absolutely. I had the, I had the feeling that like I mean she wasn't drawing images for particular individuals in that like ballroom. She was just drawing an image, and then mm-hmm. you know she figured with X number of hundred people present, someone's gonna be like, oh, 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 that's my that's my nephew or or uncle or whatever. Yeah, and the thing about cold reading too is like basically anyone can learn how to do it. And this is, like, even simpler than that. You know? Yeah. So. Well, I... I, 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 I really <laughs> don't have anything else to say about this. <laughs> I was I was thinking about um, this in comparison, though, to the a segment we covered a while back with a lady who, who, like, shit gold or cried diamonds or something. Right, right. And I didn't feel any animosity towards her because she wasn't, like taking any profit from it presumably and she also wasn't like playing on people's emotions about their dead relatives that's a good point you know it wasn't it wasn't as predatory it's like well you might be a con artist but you're not hurting anyone yeah she just wants attention yeah Um, and that's different than this which i think is actually really harmful and and not great so um all right well we flushed that one down the toilet okay down the tubes should we start off by talking about the r word um yeah i think i think we could probably uh 
get through this segment without us saying it. Right. Oh yeah, totally. I I, I have to say I, I, I felt like a little uncomfortable. It was it was it was <laughs> jarring first, yeah. because Unsolved Mysteries used the R word and please go Google that if you want mm-hmm. to know what that is. But it's now we would say intellectual disability. Yeah. Or it to be <clears throat> more specific about what kind of intellectual disability somebody might say they're, you know, they have autism or they have down syndrome or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a little research because I wanted to make sure we weren't being like, we weren't trying to be too woke and up our asses. I wanted to know what the, <laughs> like, no, I was really curious. Like what, how does the D, the DSM, how to, how do psychologists um, refer to it now? Yeah. And it looks like the way that uns- they keep referring to this young man that's involved in this story as mildly the R word. I'm like, mm, that doesn't seem right. But mm-hmm. it's something that was used through the late 80s and then fell out of fashion in the 90s. So Unsolved Mysteries is probably a little even bit behind the times when this aired, mm-hmm. it looks like. Okay. Uh, but For shame, <laughs> but now, Unsolved Mysteries. No, it's, it's fine. <laughs> okay. You know, they were using the terminology available to them, and they're not being dis- disparaging, and just that's not the terminology that we're going to use. It's unspecific, though. That's the other side of this, because we're going to talk about Johnny Lee Wilson, and he has some sort of un- <clears throat> unspecified intellectual disability, is what it is. Um. So he's uh what did, when did this go down? 1986 when this that, that is correct. Um he this is a final appeal. Yeah. So this is not a uh It seems like we have all the facts about this case <laughs> and the mystery is why won't they <laughs> let Johnny Lee Wilson have a trial? Yeah. That seems to be what the mystery is. Mm-hmm. So Johnny Lee Wilson is a intellectually disabled young man. Uh, in 1986, he is 20 years old. He lives in what? Aurora, Missouri? That is correct. Aurora, Missouri. <clears throat> Town of 7,000 at the top yep. time. Yep. And Unsolved Mysteries describes it as a town where everyone knows everyone else. Um, in fact, most people in town knew uh, Johnny Lee Wilson, and they knew him to be a sort of reserved young man. Um, he, some, I don't know what day this happened or even what season it is, who cares, but he is uh, at home with a friend, um, re- putting some records onto tape. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm, I guess converting vinyls onto ca- tapes cassette tapes, like yeah. I, I assume that's po- possible, right? I mean, you just yeah, that that's that's the image I had that they were there. Can I guess that that's a new like that is so awesome. Like even even as antiquated as you and I are, Crystal. <laughs> yeah, we we were we were after where people would even contemplate converting vinyl to cassette tapes. Yeah, I mean, we even had one of those, like, multi-layer uh, stereo systems in our house that had the the turntable and the cassette player and all that. Oh, stuff, with, with lots of different units that just stacked up? Yeah. We had one of those in my house, too. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. The dog is maybe puking behind me. <laughs> yeah, so stereo system. <laughs> um... So, yeah, I don't know that there was any function. Maybe there was some way you could rig it up to have the records record to the tape. I don't know why you would want to do that, though. Maybe so you could play your tapes in your 
car? Yeah, play your tapes in your car or make, uh, I mean, you know, the experience I had of recording on tapes was, you know, making mixtapes from my various CDs. Yeah, or just recording songs off the radio and missing the first couple of seconds (laughs) of that (laughs) song um, before you press record. So anyway, Johnny Wilson's putting some records onto tape with a friend, and then he had to he had a part time job going and mowing lawns, so he went and mowed somebody's lawn, and then his mom picked him up, and uh, then they went to the store, and then they came back from the store. And then Johnny put up some posters in his room with the help of his mom. And then his friend came back over and they kept doing the tapes and records thing. Wouldn't you know it? He gets accused of arson and murder. Of course. Uh, so on the other side of town, meanwhile, this the the queen of town. I don't I'm not sure if they made a lot of emphasis on like her being the richest woman in the county or something. Or the town. Yeah. She had a lot of money. Yeah. Uh Anyway, they uh, her house caught on fire and she she died in the fire. And um, I guess because it's a small town, when everybody heard the sirens going by, everybody shows up to looky loo. And Johnny and his mother um, drive over there to see what's going on. So Johnny knew her from because I guess she lived by the school that Johnny went to when he was in school. And uh, he would go ask to park his bicycle while he was in school at her house because if he left it on campus, people would wreck his bike. Kids are really cruel. Yeah, they really are. Um, Johnny was in a special ed program with this other guy uh, who happened to be at the fire. This comes up later. Um, Anyway, so police go and pick up Johnny, and they basically... you know spend four hours extracting a confession from him using all these leading questions and stuff and one of the interesting things about the unsolved mysteries reenactment is three different times throughout the segment robert stack says that they're using transcripts to like verbatim yeah they really emphasize Mm -hmm. that they say it three different times they use transcripts verbatim from the confession from uh johnny's later guilty plea and then one other thing i think so long very long story short um the police pick him up they ask him all these leading questions basically they tell him he can go home if he just says that he did it johnny after four hours wanting to go home says that he did it um his lawyers then basically tell him if he enters a guilty plea he'll just serve time if he goes to trial he could get the death penalty so the way that johnny understood this is like if you go to trial you'll die if you just go say that you're guilty then all of this will be over right right um johnny goes and pleads guilty uh again we get a reenactment uh, verbatim of the judge repeatedly asking johnny you know what are you pleading guilty to why are you doing that and him saying i don't know a bunch of times we get an interjection from a lawyer who has since taken up this appeals case um on johnny's behalf saying you know any other judge would have just said we're done here and we're gonna have a trial in two weeks everybody get ready uh the police didn't have any material or physical evidence to put johnny there he had alibis they they only have the word of this other kid that was in special ed with him saying that johnny had known things about 
the house and the woman. Right. They have during the fire. And they do reenactments, one like I guess sort of from Johnny's perspective and then another from what the uh police say they got. And they're 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 kind of <laughs> interestingly different. I mean the the first one is sort of like a very minimalistic interaction between two people who just mostly are like, oh, hi, I know you. Yeah, yeah. And then, But the second one is when this second individual comes up to Johnny, they kind of depict Johnny as sort of being this, like, 1950s bad boy looking like guy. Did you notice that? He's like... Yeah, I did notice that. <laughs> <laughs> you tell anyone what about this, you know, be you know, like, his hair is kind of a little... It seems a little slicked back and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so what happens is when they try to get Johnny to confess, basically what they said is we have this other guy on tape saying that you had information that you would only had if you had done this. Um, there's other stuff that unsolved mysteries. Like I said, there's like some material evidence. It's very thin. They find some women's underwear in Johnny's room. His mother's like, oh, that's mine. I have drawers of my stuff in there. Um, they find a gas can by a lawnmower in the shed that's empty. Again, Johnny has a side job mowing lawns. How many people do not have a gas can next to their lawnmower? I mean, that's... I don't, I don't know. Anyways, so fast forward in the story, Johnny gets sent to prison. Uh, he never gets a trial. The town of Aurora puts up a billboard of all things that says, you know, welcome to Aurora, Missouri, the, you know, home of Johnny Lou Wilson, the boy who never got a trial. Mm -hmm. Um, the town's pretty split on it. It seems like from the unsolved mystery story, but then I did, I did, I did my own R word. I did some research (laughs) on this segment afterwards, but it, and it really seems to me, um, that the town wasn't that split on it. The town was pretty much behind Johnny saying, there's no way this kid did this. Right. And, uh, anyways, meanwhile, a couple years later, and this is, this is who actually placed the call to Unsolved Mysteries for the final appeal. This other fellow, uh, again, I'm not good on names here, but he was a guy already serving time Mm -hmm. in a Kansas state prison. Yeah. And he already, I think he was serving a life sentence. Um, or did I just, or did I just imagine that? He, I don't think he was. I think he was in there for armed oh, okay. robbery. All right. But anyway, here, I'm going to get his name real quick. Um, so he, he, you know, he hears about this case. And so he calls Unsolved Mysteries and he writes, starts writing some letters. And he's like, hey, I'm the one who burned that house down. I was there. I have information. And so Chris Brownfield. Yes. That's what it is. Yes. He's like, hey, I, I did this and I have all this information. Well, there are some things that were found at the scene of the crime. There was a, a taser gun. Okay. Um, yeah. That had been logged into evidence. It was at the scene of the fire. They had, <clears throat> when Chris Brownfield had said, hey, I left, I left my taser gun or stun gun at uh, the scene of the crime. And no one else knew uh, uh, knew about it, right? No, I guess not. But when the cops had shown that evidence to Johnny Lee Wilson, Johnny Lee Wilson didn't even know what it was. He thought it was an electric shaver. Mm-hmm. Um, other things, you know, so Chris, Chris Brownfield basically lays out exactly what happened. 
Um, he's saying, you know, this kid shouldn't be in jail. He didn't have anything to do with this. Um, all the evidence points to Johnny Lee Wilson had, I mean, he had an alibi. I don't know. I don't know how this happened. I don't know how it got this far. And the, I'll, I'll skip right to the end here. So, so basically what happens is, um, this guy D something or other, this attorney that's stepping in on Johnny's behalf to try and get him his appeal. The appeal goes to the appellate court in Missouri. It fails. Um, they won't give Johnny a trial. That's all they're trying to do. They're not trying to like absolve him. They're just trying to have a trial mm-hmm. that he didn't get because the ju- I mean, just every step along the way was an epic failure. And, um, finally, the update is that Johnny's case is taken up by the governor of Missouri. And mm-hmm. I don't know, something like 1994, I think. And, um, the, governor decides to pardon him not based on clemency but based on innocence yes yes which is extremely rare so johnny's not in jail anymore he's out but he spent nine years of his life behind bars for a crime he definitely didn't commit so that sucks but at least he at least he's out like i he's out and he's uh and in my research i found out he's alive and well and happy and he still lives in aurora missouri with his mom well at least we got some sort of happy-ish ending um, I'm still pretty angry about this. <laughs> yeah, it really seems like the, lo- the law enforcement was determined, determined. Yes. To like lock him away. They they had a patsy. They found someone who did not have the financial or intellectual means to defend himself. Mm-hmm. God forbid you get accused of something. Yeah. And you're. And you're not wealthy. I don't even mean poor. You're just not wealthy. Right, right. And you have to get yourself out of the jam. Now imagine you have basically the IQ of a nine-year-old. And you have cops in your face saying, like, we know you did this, but if you say you did it, you get to go home. Well, Johnny's just thinking, okay, well, then if I just say I did this, I'll go home. And that'll be the end of it. So, and they have this other... I I cannot think of any... I. I cannot think of any more egregious case that I've ever heard of <laughs> right. than this. And the fact that, I mean, they just didn't want, like, this other guy, they just didn't even want to hear that, like, he, he's confet Because, like, and the rationale they gave was that, like, him try, you know, trying to confess to it as part of some sort of elaborate escape plot. Yeah, I don't know. How, how, they did, how does... That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, how, how does that help you escape from from the prison you're in by confessing to a crime you 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 know that that's going to get you more time um i guess if you have to if he was in kansas and he had to go to missouri for the trial there's some window where he could be he he thinks he can pull off a uh um uh uh the fugitive scenario where you know there's a like maybe maybe his bus or whatever crashes and he, he escapes and um yeah, I don't know why I brought that up. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what the cops were doing here. Uh, I th- other than putting a <laughs> innocent person. <laughs> yeah, putting put putting uh, not even it's not even about being innocent, it's about taking advantage. Uh anyway. Right. 
So years later, after Johnny was released, um, you know, they went back through the transcript, of the confession. They found the confession transcript was 100 pages long. They found 50 pages of leading questions. So basically, they would ask Johnny things like, oh, what blouse was she wearing? Was it a blue green blouse? Right, right. Yeah. They, or there was, a- was it a blue greenish blouse? And then Johnny would be like, okay, yeah. Like stuff like that. Right, right. No, you're absolutely. In the reenactment, they have a scene where the. Uh, one of the police people is like, so, okay, what will you tie tie your hands up with, Johnny? Mm. Um, handcuffs? No, no, no. Keep, what else? What, uh, like, I mean, yeah, they basically just, you know, run them, have them run through stuff until they get, like, an answer that corresponds to what they need in order to to, uh, say that he did it. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, it's it's appalling. Um, and it's appalling that even with all of this, that the appeals court um, wouldn't grant him a trial. That it took the governor stepping in and basically pardoning him. You know, I looked up Aurora, Missouri. Mm-hmm. When, after my house sells, and I go on a sort of half-country trip mm-hmm. to take care of some uh, family-related stuff, Mm-hmm. It's not too far from one place that I'm going to be at. Oh. I guess I probably shouldn't go there because I don't want to be uh, uh, thrown into <laughs> jail for a crime I didn't commit, right? Yeah. Um, I, I was looking at the restaurants. It looks like they have a bronze. <laughs> what's what's bronze? Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's sort of a Midwestern thing. It's like... Mm-hmm. Imagine if Dairy Queen had a grocery store attached to it. Okay. A, a very small grocery store. That's bron- uh-huh. That's bronze. Okay. Should I should I take when I do this trip? Should I take some pictures of the of the bronze ice cream place? Please. I would. Yeah. I would do that. Yeah. Where are you going in Missouri? Oh. Uh. What's well, here? I'm. Uh. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stop. Well, I'm going to take my father's ashes to uh, the uh, to where his parents are buried in the town mm-hmm. he grew up in. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to visit uh, some relatives of mine from the Burr side in the Kansas-Missouri border area. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking on the return trip, I would go, I'd go up to visit... Um, I was kind of thinking about maybe I would take a couple of weeks to go into Iowa and see all the different presidential candidates uh, around there, and then mm-hmm. s- and sample some of that sweet Iowa Iowa restaurants that they all have to go eat at. Do you feel like, and I apologize. No, I don't apologize. You know, if you don't live in some county in Iowa or Wisconsin. Or- or Michigan, or Pennsylvania. Do you kind of get the feeling that uh, no one gives a shit about you <laughs> as far as <laughs> national political races go? I kind of get that feeling. It's like there's these these chosen chosen ones in Iowa and and a couple of counties by the Great Lakes. So they just they need their buttholes tickled in a very special way. Well, yeah, uh, that the rest of us just don't really require, I guess. Right. Well, it, it's funny if you look at a map of the 2016 ge- general election. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Nevada had more visits from Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton than California and Texas combined. I, I absolutely believe that. I, I remember living there in 2008. It was lousy with presidential candidates. Yeah, like there was, wasn't too much visits? No, like lousy. Like they were all the time. Oh, like okay. John McCain was coming again or Obama was coming again or... Oh, it was like constant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living we, in Nevada. Well, yeah, in 2016, uh, we, yeah, we definitely got a ton of visits. And this year, this year alone, I have gotten to see... Um, I got to see Julian Castro. I got to see uh, Jay Inslee. Mm-hmm. I got to see Michael Bennett, and I mm-hmm. and I was gonna see Beto, but uh, the day he was sp- supposed to speak down in uh, uh, Douglas County mm-hmm. was um, that was the day that shooting happened in El Paso, so he had to. Oh, okay. and, yeah, yeah, he had to go back to his hometown. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like, I, I don't, I don't know, for me, it's, 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 it's wonderful. Like, I, like, Nevada is, like, third in line, so. I wonder why that is, though, because you don't have that many electoral votes, and I would argue that Nevada is no longer a swing state. Yeah, that, that last part is definitely uh, true. Um, well, though, I mean, you could say that Nevada is, like, a light blue state. I mean, I, I wouldn't say we're not, we're definitely not like solidly in the blue column, but yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Nevada is not really a, a absolute swing state anymore. Um, well, I, well, my speculation would be that Nevada got, uh, was able to get put into that uh, first group of states before Super Tuesday mm-hmm. uh, because we're a state with a significant uh, Hispanic population. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, whereas Iowa and New Hampshire are pretty much wall-to-wall white people, uh, you know, Nevada is a chance, is a state with the chance for, you know, uh, uh, Hispan- Hispanic Americans to to have some input early on, mm. early on in the nominating process. Yeah. Hey, you know what other uh, states have a lot of Hispanic people? California and Texas! <laughs> Yeah, but those those are like big states, so you can't really like just go around to all the different towns and. I just I just want to have I want to have my butthole tickled by Michael Bennett. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to bother with us. Uh, they, you know. Uh, I mean, politically t- tickled. Yeah. Not <laughs> Which, what, oh, here's 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 a question. I I, uh-huh. I I don't think we were friends when I originally. P- posted this inquiry on facebook back in the beginning of the decade uh-huh. uh, which decade this decade okay um i mean we knew each other because like by you know my very first day of not being a grad- graduate special but being an app you know a proper graduate student was the day that you mm-hmm. told me i i sounded like paul giamatti um, yeah i stand by that statement 100 percent to this day I, I recently watched American Splendor. Uh, oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's definitely, uh, I mean, obviously many differences, but there is some overlap, a little bit of overlap. Anyway. Um, That's a lot of overlap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. Anyway, uh, but I just wanted to pose this query. 
Uh-huh. If you had to engage in sexual intimacy with any member of the current United States Senate, who would it be? Oh, current Senate. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know that many senators, unfortunately. That's fine. Um, Do you want to answer? Well, let me, let me, th- I'll get back to you by the end of this episode. Yeah, maybe, I got to think about that. Or, or, I got to Google. Or maybe we could cut this, th- that, that question out entirely so that we. No, I think we, it's interesting. Why? Do you have somebody okay. in mind? Who I would? I mean, yeah, I'm Googling Senate. Oh, yeah, yeah, Senate. yeah, totally. I, or, I already have my. Uh, okay. Shoot. Answer in mind. Well, you know, for a long time, for most of this decade, it was uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. Okay. But after the 2018 midterms, my go my abs- my go to answer is Kirsten Cinema. The yeah, she's she's really cute. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Uh, oh God, on the male side though, it is just <laughs> not good. <laughs> Which is funny okay. because you have like way more. Uh, seats that are held by men <laughs> michael bennett's okay okay he's all right he's got a nice full head of hair pleasant face yeah um uh, okay we'll put chris murphy in the running from uh Connect- connecticut Con- connecticut okay yeah. that's interesting um let's see who else here uh, uh okay i'm looking Oh, God, all these people are just fucking decrepit. <laughs> Jesus, just lay down and die already. My God, um, oh, it's not getting a lot better after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- I, uh, I, I'm already down to New Jersey from Connecticut, and I'm not. I, Cory Booker, maybe, but he's just such a fucking dork <laughs> that I'm like, maybe not, you know? Yeah. He's good looking, but that's like, I don't know. He's just kind of a cheese ball. Uh, what are you talking about? He's Spartacus. Is he? How is he Spartacus? Uh, he, that, that was some, he said there was something uh, where he described himself as Spartacus, which I, I think is, I, I mentioned that because it feeds into your goofball um narrative because who uh-huh. who describes himself as spartacus right yeah he's a real dorcas malorcas yeah um okay well oh boy it just got a, why is ted cruz trying to have a beard like what are you even doing <laughs> ted cruz is like one of the youngest male members of the senate though oh okay yeah yeah i can believe I'm that i'm looking at everyone's ages here he's for, only 48 Oh, damn. And everybody else is in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, or early yeah, yeah. 110s. Yeah, if you just told me 48, I mean, I was like, yeah, that'd put him on the the young end of the spectrum. Yeah, I'm looking. He might be the youngest person in the Senate. Oh, no, Martin Heinrich <laughs> from uh, New Mexico. Okay. He's 47. Um, Good. Uh, okay. This can't be interesting for anyone. Oh, Ben Sassy. He is 47 as well, but he's not in the Senate anymore. No, no, he is. Or is he retiring? He's retiring, right? He, he, is that he, his deal? He is? Okay. Oh, well, maybe I have bad information. Okay. Let's move on from that. All right. Um, I probably confused him with somebody else. Yeah, okay. I'm going with Chris Murphy from Connecticut. Okay. Because this is just, this is just like... <laughs> this is gross. <laughs> sleep with any of these people. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay. I'm 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 looking at some pictures of Chris Murphy, and yeah, he is he is definitely not decrepit. So uh, I could Brian Schatz is my Brian Schatz from Hawaii might be the youngest person in the Senate. Chris Murphy's like, yeah. Okay. Oh, Cory Gardner, who looks like he's 65, is actually only 45. Oh man, he's he hasn't. Sorry about <laughs> sorry about your face. Yeah, he hasn't held up well. Um, yeah, I'll, no, I'm going to go with Chris Murphy. He used to be a lawyer, political campaign. You know, he's real. He's got a real country club look to him. Well, I'll, you know, he's a Democrat. I'll, I'll take it. Okay, cool. Okay. Well, th- I, I, that, that. But she, he's no Kristen Cinema. Oh no, 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 no. I, I, I feel like it. Yeah, like the thing is, is for um, if you're interested in the late ladies, like there's not as many you know, sheer number of options, but I feel like uh-huh. there's definitely, like, I definitely, Kirsten Cinema just is such a high card. Oh, man. She is so cute. Yeah, no, she she really is. Um, you know, I'm going to change my uh, answer here. Okay. I'm going with Sherrod Brown. Oh, interesting. Uh, he has a real sexy voice. Um, and I've met him in person. Oh, we're, okay. And he's he's like a he's like a good guy. Yeah, you know, like who do I think would be the most interesting to like hang out with after we're done? Probably Sharon Brown. Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm looking at pictures of him. He's not, uh, yeah, he's not bad looking. Okay, yeah. I'm locking it in. Final answer, Sharon. Sharon, sure. but de- definitely, you know, everybody's gonna say Cory Booker, and I can't because he's just too corny. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Um, well, we got our answers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And how much time did we spend on that? Uh, anyway, good, good filler. Hey, do you want to talk about uh, sucking on a tailpipe or whatever this next segment is about? Okay. So we got what is possibly an unexplained death. Uh, this is going to take us to North Dakota. I believe this is also... No, this is 1988. Um, we have a situation where an individual named Kenneth Angie was found mm-hmm. found dead in his garage. He says, what do you think about that? And I says, well, that don't sound like too good a deal for him then. <laughs> you got that right. Yeah, he says, yeah, that guy's dead and I don't mean of old age. Probably due to some sort of smoke inhalation sort of situation because his car had been running... But it wasn't running when he was found. Uh, and not too far, f- like about four feet from him, w- there was a rifle on the ground. There was no sign of, like, injury on his body, right? Uh, there was some blood that was n- uh, on the ground. Um, mm-hmm. So we have the situation where, like, pe- they're trying to figure out, like, if this was a suicide, why did he turn off the, the truck? Um and why is he out of it uh d- did he decide not to but how is it that like you know he was he was clear-minded enough to yeah it, it's just sort of a strange sort of situation yeah they're saying like he asphyxiated but then he's next to a gun and then yeah it, it, it doesn't how did he turn the truck off then when they found him if he wasn't conscious right right he he yeah he he was he was able to turn the truck off and then died like three nothing's, three nothing's feet. Nothing's adding up, Jerry. Yeah, nothing's adding up. So we have this. Uh, the only alternative that kind of gets brought up is earlier that night, he had gotten into a confrontation at a bar, 
Mm-hmm. And this is totally what I would expect a bar in North Dakota to look like. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's trying, like, in the reenactment, he's trying to get the um, bartender to go home with them. Mm-hmm. And she's just not having it because she's going home with uh, Curtis. Mm-hmm. Um, Curtis Heck. And yeah. uh, Kenneth is absolutely enraged by this. And he gets mm-hmm. into a fight with Curtis that mm-hmm. Curtis himself uh, describes as, you know, not really being the sort of fight that you would see between two uh, skilled fighters and, you know, like he describes it as being, you know, something that would probably be more akin to the fight that Colin Firth and uh, Hugh Grant have in Bridget Jones diary, like a lot of grappling at each other and, you know, so forth. It's real sloppy. Yeah. Um, But uh, Curtis wins the, uh, the fight and he tells Kenneth to go home. Kenneth does. And you get this, you know, two, the Curtis and the bartender are still in the bar, and mere moments later, they hear the sound of a car hitting a car, emerge to see that Kenneth has decided to ram into Curtis's vehicle, mm-hmm. um, and which is, you know, I understand like the thirst. I understand. I appreciate a good, healthy thirst for revenge. Uh huh. Do you? Oh, totally. My my life. <laughs> n- nothing motivates me in my life more than negative experiences and the desire to wow. like get back at people. Wow, I didn't. I didn't know that. I mean, I feel like I did know that. I just have never, fortunately, been on the receiving end of it. So. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but the thing is, is like when you do something like this, it's just they know who did it. I mean, in this case, they pretty much kind of saw it too so like what you want to do is you want to draw your revenge out over years if not decades and do it in such a subtle fashion yeah that like they have no idea it's you who is ruining their life yeah they just they're just sad that their life is ruined yeah yeah exactly so they they can't strike back at you they they just feel they just feel you know if any if anything they blame themselves um get but so and then naturally curtis doesn't seem to subscribe to this to my philosophy either because no he he's he's more for an eye uh eye for an eye guy eye for an eye he immediate justice yeah he drives over to kenneth's place and starts kicking along the entirety of his vehicle to dent it yeah uh, meanwhile, the- well, with he's with, and they cut back to um, Curtis, and Curtis is like, Ken was a body guy, and I'm a body guy, and you need to mess mess with my tr- with truck. I'm gonna mess with the truck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, what's a body guy? I, I assume you're you specialize in um, auto body repair. This whole relationship sounds like they're kind of frenemies. Or at least it's a small enough town where they just can't get away from each other. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess if you live in Edmore, North Dakota, how many auto body repair places are there? I mean, are there more than two? Everyone owns an auto body <laughs> place in Edmore, North Dakota. Well, that mm-hmm. very well could be. I I can't dispute that. It's uh, the Great Plains 
capital of auto body repair. <laughs> I don't know. If you live in Edmore, North Dakota, um, and, and please let us know if you're a body guy. Yeah. Ha- hashtag body guy. Hash- tweet at us. Hashtag body guy. Uh, that'll be our new T-shirt. Uh, so Curtis says that he heard some sort of moaning coming from the, within the garage. Mm. He goes in there, finds no, not Kenneth, uh, Curtis, and he finds mm. Kenneth collapsed on the ground. And in his account, he uh, he yell, yells some uh, verbal abuse at, at at Kenneth, and then slams the door and leaves. Um, I guess the 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 alternative hypothesis that maybe he was partially responsible from this death. I mean, mm-hmm. is that, um, uh, is that Kenneth was in his truck waiting for Curtis to show up and had the truck running. And I can only guess that was like to keep it warm. Uh, so I'm assuming it must've been cold. Probably gets mm-hmm. cold in North Dakota. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I imagine it does. Yeah. Uh, and then decides, uh, uh, decides to get out because he's aware of the smoke, the, the carbon monoxide situation. So he turns off the truck and gets out. And then, uh, Curtis comes in and they have like another little confrontation and Curtis hits him and Kenneth maybe falls to the ground from being hit, but also is suffering from uh, the breathing in all the carbon monoxide and, and Curtis storms away in this scenario too. Um, yeah, it's just like, and those are sort of the, the, the two possibilities were presented mm-hmm. and I'm honestly, I'd like to hear what you think happened. Cause I'm, I'm really, I can't pe- really piece together what the definitive answer is. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so... I've watched this segment now like three or four times. You said ten times before we started recording. Well, I, exa- I was exaggerating. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I really have no idea. I mean, it, it seems... May, you know, there's two options. I think one of them is um, Kenneth, his dumbass fell out of the truck and he hit his head. And then that was that. Okay. Um. But then, like, maybe Curtis killed him. Possibly. He. So here's what could have happened. Curtis comes in for round two of his ass whooping or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is basically what Unsolved Mysteries is saying. We. He finds. So Curtis finds Kenneth on the ground already. He's already passed out because he's a drunk idiot. And then, like, Curtis just lets the car run and then eventually turns it off. Yeah. Or maybe... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or the most parsimonious explanation is this. Maybe the timing is a little different. Okay. Curtis goes over there for ass-kicking part two. Kenneth has fallen out of his truck. He parked it, but didn't get the chance to, like, for forgot to turn the ignition off, right? Okay. So he dies of asphyxiation in his garage just from being drunk and falling out of his car. Mm-hmm. With his gun in his 
you know, maybe he was carrying his gun because he was drunk and not thinking straight and Curtis was going to come after him and he was going to be ready for that or whatever. Right. 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 And then, so Kenneth falls out of the truck. He's on the ground. He hits his head. He isn't able to turn off the car. And maybe Curtis comes along after that for round two, goes in the garage, sees that he's already passed out. It's just like, well, I'll just let him lay, lay there and then turns the ignition off. Yeah. And then that's why the ignition is off. When the, and so what could, be, could have happened is that Curtis could have walked in on, on Kenneth being dead or dying. And, and really, truly had nothing to do with it. And he just turned the ignition off because he didn't want Kenneth to die. But he's just like, oh, this idiot. I'll just leave him on the ground. He's just thinking he was passed out drunk. Right, right. Well, yeah. I mean, the guy had just finished. I mean, they gave the impression that he was, had been at the bar for a, for quite a while. So it, it's a natural yeah. conclusion to come to. I think it might just be an accident. Yeah. I think that's the most... Is that what you think happened? It's just a weird series of events and it was an accident? <laughs> Basically. I mean, okay. it's not even like most of the scenarios that can, that we can come up with this. Like, this isn't even like Curtis being respond. Like, at least in the one where he punches him, there's like mm-hmm. some sort of, sort of culpability. But most of this is just sort of, um, you know, he's, he's responsible for a few hundred dollars in auto body damage. And yeah. yeah, he came in, saw a guy who he knew to be drunk and was on the ground and was just like, he's passed out. And, you know, yeah, yeah. I, that... I think I think it's just it's just idiots doing idiot shit, you know? Uh-huh. I don't think Curtis had any ill will. No, 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 no. Like, like not, certainly not up to the level of like homicide. Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we, uh, we, we solved that one. <laughs> we solved that one. Good job. Robbie, how can people get in touch with us? If you send us an email at reenacted at gmail.com, we will receive it and probably respond to it. If you go to Twitter and find us at reenactedpod, we are also available for there. On Facebook, go to Reenacted Podcast Fans. There's also a Reenacted and Unsolved Mysteries podcast page on Facebook, but that's not as cool to go to. Um, yeah, contact us on those. And be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Give us five stars, please. And if you can't figure out how to download the program on iTunes, send us an email and we'll try to help you. Don't just give us one star. Yeah, um, unless you hate us and our dumb guts. But probably even then, don't do that. It's rude. No, no. Just just stop listening. Just don't say anything. Yeah, just stop listening. Yeah. We, this isn't, you know. <laughs> listening to us is entirely voluntary. Yeah, that's the thing about all podcasts, really. It still shocks me that people do listen to us it's weird right (laughs) like on a regular basis yeah i know yeah it's and it's not just people that we know in person yeah exactly very strange exactly hey robbie do you want to do the thing yes for every mystery there is someone somewhere who knows the truth perhaps some that's someone is watching perhaps it's you